Welcome to the Professional Ag Marketing Podcast. If you want a deep dive into the ag markets and risk management strategies, your search is over. Come here after every Friday to get your weekly commodity recap. Trading commodity futures and options involves substantial risk of loss and is not suitable for all investors. This is your host, Mike Miner. Let's get started. Today is August 25th, and I have Jeff here with us. How's it going, Jeff? Good afternoon, Mike. Things are going well. Awesome. Well, this week the grain market was mainly focused on the Pro Farmer Crop Tour going across the United States here. Uh, Caught some interesting observations out of that, obviously. What was your overall take, Mike? Can we kind of step through that kind of state by state, state, if you will? Obviously, you... We're mm-hmm. on the road, uh, what was it, two weeks ago now? Yep, two weeks ago. So um, I'm going to start off by talking about something fairly obvious, which was we experienced two very different crop tours, the Pro Farmer Crop Tour and myself. And I'm going to start it by saying that um, pretty much the night before I left on the crop tour, it had rained. Everywhere I went that day. Then it rained everywhere I went the next day, and the next day, and the next. (laughs) Or it rained on me in the field, and it was cool, brisk, nice 75 degrees. Did you take your boots off that whole week? I I think I checked one field without the (laughs) mud boots on, but we probably needed them still. Yeah. Some of the the pictures I've seen this week were a little bit different than that. A little different. You know, 100 degrees uh, pretty much across the Corn Belt, three straight days during the crop tour. And it's going to be a little bit different, whether we like it or not, based upon the weather we experienced. And, you know, like uh, they did post that, okay, their final yields were 172 for Pro Farmer um, versus the USDA's 175.1. And uh, last year, Pro Farmer expected a 173.3. So they did come in pretty close to... Last year's. Last year's number was fairly close. Yep. To what the USDA put out there. Exactly. Okay. So they were close with this estimate to what they posted that they thought it was last year. Um, So it's interesting. Most of the state by states I was looking at throughout the week, I thought they were uh, posting numbers higher than where they were coming in a year ago. Yep. Pro Farmer two are being higher this year than than last year, but they they came in just a tick lower. And it makes sense. And the funny thing is that I always observe with these estimates is you'll have states all over the board. They'll be higher than the USDA in this one and lower than this one, but it all shapes to be somewhat close by the end of it. For them to be three bushels lower, not really a whole lot for them to complain about with where the USDA is currently at today, especially while they did it during 100 degrees straight through three days. Sure. The you know, Karen Braun also had something posted on Twitter I saw where they said, you know, these estimates include the results from the tour, but they also include other factors like weather, maturity, areas outside of the tour's average, etc. So they, they threw that disclaimer in there too that, you know, it's not just based all off the crop samples they pulled. Uh, they They try to kind of fiddle with the numbers to make it somewhat close to the USDA anyways. Yep. Well, they understand they don't see the whole crop. Exactly. You know, I think that's part of what they're trying to adjust for, right? They, yep. Uh, you get you almost cover more ground than they do. Um, they just they dig in deeper, mm-hmm. I would say, in, in the ground that they do cover. They probably they do a, a wider uh, sampling. Exactly. Um, yeah, but they they don't they don't cover a large portion of the corn belt, obviously. Exactly, and uh, you know when they come out 
And I saw something too that the Pro Farmer toured last year when they came out. It was like 168.1 when they first came out for their estimate on the crop tour. So they was lower than than what they did have here, um, you know, for their final number, anyways. Okay. But they adjusted as the yeah. week went on, basically. Yeah, so we'll see how this all shakes out. Obviously, Pro Farmer coming in at a 172. When I kind of go through the state breakdowns and look at the big ones that I could see big question marks on from the the samples they took, the ones that mainly stand out to me are the one Indiana. They found a 180, and you know the USDA was at a tied record yield. I was at a record yield, and they were 15 bushels below that. So it's like that one, I don't know where they really found too bad of a crop. So I was curious about that one. And then Nebraska, for them to come in the 160s, I thought didn't do justice to what weather they have had occur over the past month. So um, they found some pretty poor samples out of Nebraska that I was surprised about. Um, that one seemed to bleed into western Iowa, too. I, I thought mm-hmm. their western Iowa results were... Yeah, I, I would say that one just kind of depends what portion you hit. I mean, we know it's spotty in a yeah. large portion of... Northern Iowa, Western Iowa, but I thought that one came in pretty low. They were at 169, I think, for the versus 180 last year. Yeah, and the you know 182 for all of Iowa. I'm a little little low on that number too. I think compared to the USDA's 203, um, it's a east versus west discussion, right? Yep. In Iowa this year, exact flip flop. Um, a little surprised with how low they are, I guess, on that. So you start plugging some of these numbers in, and it is interesting. It was after about the first day. I mean, you start to plug in. They were at 173 already at that point. And I felt like it. they were probably going to come in closer to 171, 170 with some of the states they were posting. So for them to come out, you know, where they did at 172, I thought was... Um, reasonable for them to be historically three to six bushels below where the USDA does end up being. So um, that was the Pro Farmer Tour this week. You know, impact going forward, obviously, um, we're going to be talking more about the seasonal pattern uh, of corn futures here. The the corn futures historically like to make a low um, in the end of August or early September. So we'll see what happens this year. You know, back in 2013, we put our low in in November in the middle of the month. Uh, We've had a pretty high correlation in prices between 13 and this year. So it'll be interesting to see if we continue to follow 13 lower um, from here on out in these uh, corn markets and and soybeans. Jeff, any final thoughts here on grains before we kind of bounce into finishing up with some hog talk? Well, I I know that uh, for myself at least it's been... It's, I've had to continually talk myself out of uh, kind of swing, swinging the, the yield estimates in my own brain pretty aggressively this week. And I, I think it's important to make sure, you know, whatever backyard we're looking at, right, we've got some folks that are in some really good uh, corn areas and their corn crop probably didn't change too much this past week. Mm-hmm. We've got some other areas that uh, the crop really came along this week, um, the leaves and and husk uh, really changed, uh, stocks really changed, and ears um, falling, falling down and pointing at the ground. So I, I think we have to try to obviously keep that all in mind and, and try to maintain a, a level head and a level perspective. But um, 
I, I guess for me, I, I would have said probably when that rain came through and you were doing your crop tour, you were alluded to this some, Mike, but you know, I would have been saying, okay, 175 and, and probably a better chance of it getting larger than that yep. um, than, than versus smaller. I've, I would think I've flip-flopped on that. I think you know 175 is still seems to make a lot of sense when you peel mm-hmm. back a bunch of the layers as far as the national yield goes. But if anything today, I'm saying the opposite. If, if we miss it, we're probably going to miss it to the downside a bit. Um, would sure like to believe it, it probably doesn't have to be um, smaller than last year, I don't think. So to me, that's kind of where we're, we're settling in somewhere in this 174, 175 mark. What, what's your thoughts, uh, nuts and bolts of it here, Mike? Nuts and bolts, I would say 171, 177. Either way, I don't think you get a lot of difference out of the corn futures with anywhere sure. in between that. Because even with the Pearl Farmer number at 172, you're still sitting at 2.1 billion bushel ending stocks plus. So that's below that's sub four dollar corn historically. Um, I have a hard time believing this is going to impact the futures market. So uh, finish, yeah, the finish isn't going as well as what I had hoped it would at the beginning of the month getting rained on. Um, You know, there are some spots who have just missed out a little bit too long here, and then this this week is going to hush or hurry some stuff up pretty quick towards the the beginning of harvest, and uh, that's not a really good sign for Phil. So. Okay, so let's, it's, we're going to move past the pro farmer. We're probably going to start moving past the yield. Um, probably until weather, we get, too. Yeah, and, and so you, I know you've, you've done some presentations this week and, and really started focusing in on some of the seasonalities versus um, bigger picture cycles of the corn market. And, and you alluded to that here just a couple minutes ago, Mike. But why don't you dive in and start throwing some, some specific numbers at us, if you will, or ranges and, and maybe dig a little deeper into your thought process as you've um, presented that to a couple of different crowds here this week or two. Yeah. So when you look back the last five years, your seasonal has got pushed back a little bit farther. Or uh, if last five years was August 22nd for the average low in the December corn market. Last 10 years, you would be looking at an average low seasonally of September 4th. So sure. You're looking at seasonals there. Um, when we start to look at longer-term fundamentals, we're still sitting at a high price compared to where we historically have been, right? Above $5 is my specific number um, that I'm kind of targeting there. So um, the corn market, I think, has two decisions to make. The first decision is, uh, do you follow the seasonal and you put a low in here and trade higher, and this is as low as we go in the near term? Or... Do we continue this transition towards fixing uh, prices, getting out of this uh, tighter stocks above $5 price that we've experienced over the last two years and go back towards bouncing around $4 range, something we're more accustomed to over the last few years? And when I start to look at that portion of it and see what stage of the cycle we're in, you know, I start all the way back at basically the mid-1950s. From 50 to about 1972, you experienced prices right around that dollar to a dollar fifty, and it stayed pretty tight through that range. And then, you know, we had 1973 happened and the gas crisis, and we really had some nice inflation pull us up into that 150 
to about $3.50. And we spent a lot of time from 1975 until about 2005, really, in that stretch. That was a really long cycle. When you start to look at what corn prices did in, in between 2008 and then about you know 2020 here, um, we spent a lot of time right around four dollars and uh, three dollars to kind of 450 is a range and um, each something I see in each one of these cycles is there's one or two big pops that we spent above that trading range and then a few years later wherever that pop had occurred that's where we spent the next trading range spending time so in the 80s and 90s we had a pop there into the fours and fives right in the middle there um, the next cycle we spent was right around that four and five dollar range for example in the 2000s and then the next cycle here now if we start looking at that we've spent a lot of time between 450 and eight dollars between um, 2010 and 2014 um, you know, if we start to talk about what stage of the cycle we're at, this could be a really important spot because we're right at the bottom side of that channel, essentially. So this could be, are we continuing this channel where it's a wider one from $3 up to $8 that we're going to spend time in? Or are we going to find a new floor here around $4.50 and, and bounce higher from here? So if we do, from a seasonal perspective, find some support here on corn, and we stay higher, it'll be really interesting to see what that channel looks like going forward the next 5, 10 years. Because right now, I'm surprised we're still at around $5 with 2.1, 2.2 billion bushels of corn, whatever it ends up being. The market's yes. known since May, you know, it really yep, since February. It hasn't changed much. It really hasn't. We've kept a pretty big balance sheet it's through all this. been a bit of a roller coaster to get yeah. here, but... Yeah, it has been, but we've held it above five bucks pretty much the entire time. So it'll be interesting to see if that holds or not, and if we're in a new cycle here that uh, we've spent time in for probably the last two years, or if we're just creating a very, very wide cycle between three and eight dollars, and then it's good luck, everybody, basically, <laughs> when it comes to making marketing decisions, right? That is the that is the question. Did you just have two a couple of years of some? Smaller crops and a little bit of enhanced demand, um, or yeah, you know, you look at the last time uh, your nineteen seventies example there, Mike, when pretty rampant inflation uh, kind of stuck around then, didn't it? Yeah, and that that definitely stepped up to a new a new level. So I almost gotta believe there's some of that into this corn market as well. But yeah, I, I think the the next few months will be really interesting as far as a bigger picture goes here. I know $3 would hurt a heck of a lot worse in, let's say, two years from now than it did back when we saw it in, like, 2019. Yeah, for it, sure. That, that would. would just crush people with what we've seen with equipment costs and labor and family living. Um, stuff has got so much more expensive. So uh, I would say once you get back, if you do to that $3 range, that... Uh, that would be very rough times in agriculture, I think. There'd be some adjustments taking place on the acre level. Yep, definitely. Definitely. What do you want to say to wrap up the podcast today, Jeff? Well, we better hit on these pigs, Mike. It's one of the more wild days that we've experienced in the hog market in, in quite some Thank time. Thank goodness and we that's saying something. very little time for that today. <laughs> yeah. That's all it, I'm going to say. It's it, it's That's very fair. Um, I'm not sure if it's completely unexpected what's taking place today. Um, but just it's just a lot of crazy things happen. You know, first off, we're sitting here 
uh, midway through the session or so. Well, it must have been a little earlier than that because before the 11 o'clock report came out. But we basically ran these hog futures right back up to exactly where they finished the week uh, last week. So this whole week, you know, we were pretty down in the mouth, kept, you know, experiencing some lower seasonal prices as far as cash and and to some degree cut out until you know last night uh, cut out actually being up about four dollars uh largely because of the bellies a couple of other primals were helping participate there as well so the market really ran with with that um right up until the uh 11 o'clock a.m report came out and showed the belly market down 50 bucks and then it, of course it gave away all of the gains that it had received throughout the day um and, and really kind of settled in at one time trading in october over a dollar fifty lower uh, as and three o'clock close. report wasn't any better was it yeah and that's that's the what everybody was looking at there was some pretty good volume on the morning report so it started we started thinking oh shoot this could definitely hang around a little bit but yeah the three o'clock here 58 and a half dollars lower on the belly that's after being up, I think, about $11 yesterday. So it puts it at just a hair under uh, $123. So, you know, what we've been looking for, we've, we've kind of been looking for a day like this, unfortunately. Um, maybe not to quite to this extent, but, you know, we were, you look at a seasonal graph of bellies, and, and they like to come down about right now. It's it's very much par for the course. Talk about ripping the Band-Aid off, though, huh? Yeah, they, they didn't. That market's crazy, amazing. Um, how you can go from, you know, 180 bucks 24 hours ago to deciding that you got to take a third of the price away. I guess that's that's why they don't trade them on the uh, futures markets anymore, Mike. But one too many bellies is one too many bellies. So... I'm, hopefully we can get some of that back, a very big adjustment. The last two years we have not. We've, we've made a big adjustment like this, 30 40 bucks, and they've stayed here and, and kind of started um, trading a new market basically uh, after we get into September. But I wouldn't expect uh, any huge drops from here um, based on what we've seen the past years, but that is what's going to be front and center in everybody's mind, of course, is you know, do we have to take these bellies back to 85 bucks, kind of where we started in last spring? And, you know, there's going to be uh, um, some good indicators here in the next two weeks, probably, as to really what does this demand look like as we ramp up the hog kill? Um, you know, can we be a little similar, somewhere closer to what we've become accustomed to the last couple of years or we got to go back down to some of the doldrums that we saw last spring so stay tuned on that mike all right well thank you for your time today jeff we'll see you next time and thank you to all our listeners please reach out to us at professionalagmarketing.com check out our other podcast as well professional ag marketing that's released every friday trading commodity futures and options involves substantial risk of loss and is not suitable for all investors see you next time